Welcome to the Network Marketing Heroes Podcast, hosted by 38-year network marketing veteran, author of best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire, and world-renowned speaker, Richard Bliss Brook. Learn from extraordinary leaders and get a behind-the-scenes look at what it truly takes to become a network marketing hero. On this week's episode... But I tell you what, that first night, I just fell in love with, with the industry. So that started, that was in 1980, so that's 36 years wow. ago. I came wow. into with this industry and, and just absolutely fell head over heels in love with this industry. The concept of, you know, the concept of being able to be my own boss, the concept of uh, a, a big dream. You know. Stay tuned after this episode for an exclusive discount code to get 10% off Richard's tools at blissbusiness.com. So sometimes on these uh, hero calls, most of the time we're interviewing a distributor that has built a successful four-year career. Uh, tonight, what we're calling a hero maker. So this is like the fourth or fifth hero maker call that we've done. And the definition of a hero maker is somebody in the network marketing community that has dedicated their life and their career to supporting and inspiring and teaching and leading other people to build their own four-year careers, their own successful network marketing businesses. And I've known this guest for, I don't know, I'm bad at time, but I'm going to guess about 10 years um, as we have worked side-by-side side to strengthen our industry uh, as CEOs. He's the CEO of a magnificent, very successful company based in Dallas, Texas called Manatech. And uh, he has an incredible story of how he came to this country as an immigrant and rose himself up by his bootstraps and, um, and, and honed his skills as an executive of major corporations and then got involved in the direct selling industry and rose through the ranks of Manatech. And I follow him on, on Facebook. He just got back from South Africa where he had a – a huge tour, and I just, you know, it's unimaginable to me. Uh, I mean, I've done it, but I still can't imagine other people doing it, getting on a plane and traveling for 20 or 24 hours and then doing three or four days of very intense events and then getting on a plane and coming back, and I think he just landed in Dallas, and he's on his way home. Maybe he just stepped into the house. But uh, I'm just so excited to have the opportunity to, to interview Al. He's, he's one of the uh, very authentic, very powerful spiritual warriors in this business. He's a true servant leader. He's a giver. He's got an incredible work ethic. He's always smiling. He's always positive. He's always happy. And he's always contributing. And in Manatech, I know he's making big, big differences in that company. So I uh, am honored tonight to have the opportunity for us to learn the story of Mr. Al Bala. You still there, Al? I am. Can you hear me? Yeah, we hear you great. Did you get in the house? Oh, yes, I am. Yes. <laughs> okay, good. Well, I'm glad you're not having to do it from the car. You can settle into the house. So um, let's dive into it, Al. We want to know your story. Um, probably maybe fitting the night after the election, we get to hear 
an incredible immigration success story. So tell us your story. Prior to getting involved in the direct selling profession, who were you and how did you get started in life in America? Okay, well, first of all, Richard, it's such an amazing uh, opportunity, pleasure, privilege to be able to be on this call with you. And as I told you uh, in my last uh, communication with you, you've always been such an amazing inspiration for for us uh, because I go back in being involved in this industry in the 80s, just about the time your story broke out. And I, I think I told you I had used your story for years as a, as a source of motivation and inspiration and one of those if he can do it, you can do it too. So it's, uh, it's wonderful how life brings us all to back together after all these years that I've been following you and admiring you from a distance. So, again, I want to say that before I start. Uh, so it is truly for me a, a unique pleasure to be able to be on this call with you. I can see that really uh, quite something. Uh, my life in the U.S. started back in 1976. Uh, I, I immigrated to the U.S., from Senegal, which is a country in West Africa, a French uh, colony, French uh, colony in West Africa. Uh, my parents are Portuguese from the island of Cabo Verde, which is uh, right off the coast of West Africa, a uh, Portuguese colony. So uh, that would explain to some degree uh, my, uh, my, confusion, my confusion in languages because uh, I, I was born <laughs> in a French country with uh, Portuguese parents and uh, and then at the age of 16 and a half, I, I came to the U.S., Boston, uh, in January, just think about it, you know, landed in uh, Boston uh, in the middle of a snowstorm coming straight from Africa, uh, and that started my life in the U.S., you know, so that was a very interesting uh, uh, beginning, uh, even from a, from a weather point of view, from a language point of view, and had to adapt and, and learn uh, certainly the English language. I uh, had had a, a little bit of English in school, but uh, it really was a very different English than what I had to learn uh, uh, here. Uh, went to high school, uh, and uh, immediately as soon as I arrived in the United States, uh, I started down the road of the American dream. And again, it's fitting that uh, the day after the election, I believe this is a wonderful, great country, and I am so you know, proud and privileged to be part of the, 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 what's going on right now in this country and to be able to contribute to it. But I started out, the immigrant dream starts in a factory. For me, it started in a, in a jewelry factory in Providence, Rhode Island, uh, making a dollar and 65 cents an hour and working in a factory, the second shift, third shift, while going to school, first shift. And the dream was to get a good education so I could get a good job, so I could work 40, 40 years 45 years and then retire and make all my dreams come true. And as you have so eloquently written about it, that 40-year plan, the 40-40-40 plan doesn't work. That dog don't hunt anymore. Uh, <laughs> but I did not know that, right? I did not know that. I, was, uh, I went headlong into this idea that this is how I was going to make my dreams come true. Well, within two years of that, uh, I was 20 years old, and I was home on a Monday morning when I got a phone call from someone, a good friend of mine that I met in church, who said basically, look, uh, what are you doing Tuesday night? And the question was uh, pretty obvious, uh, the same thing I was doing Monday night, which is, you know, sitting there and uh, rubbing the back of my head in you know, a sofa watching television like everybody else does. Uh, obviously, I had earned the right to rest after a long day in school or at the factory, uh, and that's what I was doing. So at the age of 20, 
Uh, and that Tuesday night, I showed up at the Holiday Inn, Jefferson's Boulevard in Warwick, Rhode Island, and my life absolutely <laughs> changed. Uh, i got to ask you, Al, what yes? opportunity was being presented uh, that well, Tuesday night? As you know, there's, soap, there's hope in soap. So I, uh, Amway was the opportunity. Uh, and uh, so I show up there on a Tuesday night. I couldn't help noticing lots of Cadillac outside uh, the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> and, and when I walked in, everybody uh, was in their blue suits, the white shirt, red ties. And, boy, uh, it, was, uh, it was my introduction to the direct sales industry. I had no idea, had never heard of Amway, had never heard of anything to do with this industry. But I tell you what, that first night, I just fell in love with, with the industry. So that started, that was in 1980. So that's 36 years wow. ago. I came wow. into with this industry and, and just absolutely fell head over heels in love with this industry. The concept of, you know, the concept of being able to be my own boss, the concept of uh, a, the, a big dream. You know, the gentleman that was showing the plan that night, that was spinning the circles, as we called it, was a vice president of manufacturing for Texas Instrument. And you cannot imagine. And this guy was in his late 50s, excited about this two- to five-year plan. And here I am. I'm a budding uh, engineer. I'm, I'm going to school, a two-year college in Rhode Island, Rhode Island Junior College, to hopefully be a technician, hopefully one day be an engineer. And there was this guy that was an engineer and was not excited about being an engineer, Vice President of Manufacturing for Texas Instrument. You imagine, that was the, the, that was the high-tech company of the days, and that's not what he was excited about. He was excited about a two- to five-year plan, and I realized very quickly that, you know what, if this guy, who, want, who is exactly where I want to be 30 years from now, is more excited about this two- to five-year plan instead of what I was aspiring to, maybe I needed to pay attention, maybe I needed to hear, because I just thought, even if he lied, even if he was just lying, I figured two to five years could be 10 years, but in 10 years, I'd be 30 years old, and if, boy, if I could just retire, fire my boss, or whatever that was, that would be exciting. So I bought it totally, and I was excited about the idea to be in business for myself, to be an entrepreneur, to be a free man in a free country, and I, think I just went for it and, uh, and never stopped, pretty much. So... That's how I started. That's how I got introduced to the direct sales industry um, and, uh, and just never looked back. And, uh, and then, obviously, there's a 36-year journey uh, where I went part-time for 10 years. Uh, actually, my plan was that I would retire in 10 years. I failed. I retired in 11 years. I was able to walk away from a corporate career with Bose Corporation, youngest plant manager for Bose Corporation, I had started there about five years, six years before that on a third shift, went to second shift, went to first shift, became plant superintendent in my 20s. But this is the deal. I didn't become a plant manager for, for Bose Corporation. I didn't start managing people that had MBAs, and here I was with a two-year engineering degree from a junior college in Rhode Island. It was not my, my degree that got me there. It was the books. It was the tapes. It was the, 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 the association that I had in the Amway business that actually formed and, and created the person that could then be a corporate manager that could manage hundreds of people, three-shift operation, 
youngest manager at Boris Corporation because of my experience in the direct sale industry. What I was learning in my part-time venture actually was helping propel my career at Boris Corporation. That's beautiful. So, Al, tell us about, I mean, uh, one of the things I love about talking to people that have been around for decades is, we had a tendency to read the classics. You know, back in 1980, uh, there probably weren't any books written about network marketing, but even personal development and leadership development, there was only a handful. Tell me some of the books that you not only read, but you mastered. What were some of your favorites? Well, my very first book was The Magic of Thinking Big. <laughs> yeah. The Magic thinking big my very first book it came in my kit I was excited you know until then I had never you know I had never heard of the concept of positive thinking negative thinking the power of the dream I mean dreams were things you had you know if you ate pizza the night before right I mean, I mean or nightmares or whatever I mean I didn't those concept was just so foreign to me but slowly so the magic of thinking big you know think and grow rich how I, you know, how I, you know, I, 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 uh, I improve myself through selling, uh, uh, the, the, you know, the, Frank, the Frank thing. How I raise myself from. How I raise my, yeah, exactly. By myself. Frank Betcher. Exactly. So those were the books, uh, but the magic of thinking big and thinking grow rich was certainly the books that made a, the the huge difference in my life. Uh, then there was certainly others. I mean, uh, uh, there was Anthony Robbins was a big one for me at that time. Uh, the Giant Awaken uh, around that time uh, was out. Uh, and there was, uh, there was just, uh, I mean, all the Og Mandingo, uh, Og, Og Mandingo books, all of them. Uh, yep. The Greatest Salesman in the World and the Scrolls and, and all yep. those. Those were, you know, How to Make Friends and Influence People. Dale Carnegie, that was a big one. Skills with People, Les Giblin. Uh, those books really shaped the man that I became. And, and for me, uh, that is the serendipity of this industry that I would be forever grateful for because I wouldn't be here, we wouldn't be having this conversation if it wasn't for that one night, for that one phone call where nobody else for the next 25 years ever called me again to invite me to anything like this. It was one phone call, one decision on a on a, on a, on a you know, rainy, drizzly November night in Boston where I could have chosen to not leave the house and not go. I, I didn't have a clue I was going there for, but yet that one decision, that one phone call, that one decision just absolutely changed my life, but not only changed my life, changed my next generation. So for those who are listening, that the power of that one phone call is just so incredible. So we should never hesitate in making that phone call because it can be definitely better for the person on the other side of the phone than for you. Uh, because yeah. unfortunately, the person who invited me, Richard, uh, just retired from the post office where he worked in when I first met him 35 years ago. And so he just retired. So did he, I'm curious, so he sponsored you in Amway. Did he stay active in Amway or did he quit? You know, eventually he got uh, inactive. I mean, eventually he got inactive uh, just about the time that my business took off. Uh, uh, and he just, you know, he just became inactive. Yeah. A wonderful he, man. Yeah, he made, he made one phone call too few, one that changed your life but didn't change his. 
So one of the things that intrigued me, Alan, your resume was uh, that you were the chief operating officer for Brit worldwide for about eight years. That had to be a fascinating experience. I think what, you know one of the things that um, you know when I'm coaching and training network marketers, you know sometimes they go, oh yeah, Amway, you know, and people people just don't have a very good opinion of Amway. I said, well, you know. They are the number one network marketing company in the world, and they have been for as long as any of us can remember. And they're the number one company by at least a factor of two. And, you know, my corporate headquarters are in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and I'm kind of proud of my headquarters. But right down the road is the distributor headquarters. Um, he just passed away, but of a very large Amway distributor. He's just a distributor. Ron Perrier. Yeah, Ron, you probably, yeah, Ron Perrier. Yeah, Ron Perrier lives right down the road from me. Ron's office, Al, just his office as a distributor, is twice as big as my corporate headquarters. Right. You know, this, this, the, what, one of the things that I think is just fascinating for people to understand is when you do this and you do it successfully, you know, most of the people I'm interviewing have done it for two years to five years, maybe 10 years. But what does it look like if you do it successfully for 30 or 40 years? That looks like Ron Purrier's distributor office that's, you know, 60,000 square feet and four stories. Correct, so, yes. So tell us a little bit about what it was like to run Brit Enterprises, like the size of your events and where the scope of that global business and anything you can tell us about it. That had to be a fascinating role. Well, I, you know, I, I guess, you know, you know that, you know, who we become a lot in life has to do with the people who become our mentors along the way. So I was very fortunate uh, in the uh, early 90s to come across Mr. Bill Britt. And I came across him because as a distributor, uh, I, I always was the one who promoted more for the events, always sold more tickets to the events, always had more people there. And because I had more people there, I had the privilege to host him, which meant I could pick him up at the airport, I could drive him to the hotel, I can drive him to the event. So for me, it was a great uh, honor to be able to, to, to be around you know, a, a, a person like Bill Britt, who was in my, at that time bigger than life for me. But in that process, what Bill and I ended up is uh, I got to know him. And in 1991, when I decided to quit my, 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 uh, my, my job and, and actually become a, a full-time distributor, and I started traveling around the world, and I was very interested on the idea of, of you know, international expansion. Uh, because one of the dreams that I got the very first day, the very first day I got this dream, from the meeting, my very first meeting, that one day I would travel the world visiting my businesses. And, and, and every night that I showed the plan, every single person I talked to for the next 10 years, every night it was one day I will be traveling the world visiting my businesses. Well, it just happened that after my, my first trip to, uh, we launched Portugal uh, with Amway, so I went there, I became Portuguese, so I went to open Portugal for myself, uh, to, to, to expand my personal business in Portugal. And in that process, I connected with Bill Britt in terms of would I want to help him while I was building my international business, would I want to help him to develop what we call today the Brit Worldwide System, BWW, Brit Worldwide System. 
uh, because he, he was very, very big in the U.S., very big in Canada, had some business in Brazil and, and in uh, Mexico, but that was it. And, and, and he had really not really thought beyond that. And uh, in our interaction, it became that I could help him. Uh, and that was when Amway just went into a, 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 a global expansion spree. Uh, and, and, and so there I was. So over the period of time, uh, I was with Bill 18 years. And in 18 years, we opened 49 new markets, and that would be from China to Chile, from South Africa to Scandinavia. We reopened, relaunched about another 15 countries. So altogether, in that 18-year period, we were able to actually put together the Brit Worldwide system in 65 countries. I was literally running 30 Brit offices around the world in 65 different countries, and we were just you know, duplicating the system that had worked so well in the U.S., creating over one million distributors. And, and, and today, I would say, generating over $1 billion in sales. And we're talking about an organization that every four months, we would meet in, you know, every three months, we would meet in about five to six coliseums for the various events. And now we're talking about anywhere between 15 to 25,000 people in three, wow. four, five different coliseums every three months for 18 years. It was just wow. a gigantic machine that absolutely, and in the process, we produced over 200 diamonds just in the U.S., uh, and I got the privilege to work with Bill and his executive committee, which is 23 uh, executive diamonds who all had to have at least a diamond in the organization, very large groups of people, people that were putting at least 2,500 to 15,000 people in coliseums every single quarter, every three months, because we, we ran like a machine. Every three months there was an event, and, and people came to those events, and that was the way we maintained a rhythm of activity that absolutely exploded that business. So what are the, some of the things, Al, that, um, you know, I, I, I so deeply admire many things about Amway, and one of the things I've never admired is the reputation that they've had as a business in the public marketplace, which probably has some things, something to do with particular recruiting approaches. But, you know, if a person can build a business in Amway like that, Boy, they can, they can take any of the other network marketing opportunities that are out there, and I would think just build them tenfold, like ten times easier to be that successful. And yet so many of the people that are building contemporary organizations today are looking for the shortcuts, and they're looking for to, you know, to make it easier than it ought to be and to do it quicker and – what are some of the things that you would consider to be bedrock principles that you learned in Amway that resulted in that kind of success? Yeah, well, I think uh, it's understanding to a large degree that you were in a people business, that you were in a people development business. Uh, you know, I mean, and I, you know, and I can tell you that to some degree, uh, some people took it to a to a to a complete you know, to an edge that was way beyond what it should have been, but 
at least what what happened in that process is by you know I mean everything rises and falls through leadership and the process right. of developing leaders is the only way that you you know create a long term sustainable business where other people feel like they have a stake in their own business and they they build their business for their for their own personal reasons and it's totally independent of what you do or what you think or what you say they're going to do it anyways and that creates really uh what we we all want which is a you know a, a duplicatable sustainable type of a business that will provide uh, you know eventually what what we all want uh, well, what we all got involved in direct selling for, which is the concept of residual income, long-term permanent income, those kinds of things, multi-generational income, well, that's done through developing leadership. And one of the things that Amway did so well was the, you know, being able to get you very early you know, into the personal development side of the business, the books, you know, you know, listening to the, to, the, to, the, to the audio material, the power of association. What I learned outside of the power of a big dream is the power of association. The, you, know, you, know, you are the average of the five people you hang around with the most. You know, you, your life is going to be determined by who speaks into your life, who, is, who are the people you listen to makes a big difference. I was very fortunate very early in my life to find people like my upline, like the people in our business who were very plugged into this personal development system and who brought me along. And it, it took this young, you know, first-generation immigrant who, mm-hmm. whose dream was to just, you know, uh, work in a factory and uh, own a, a three-story you know, three, three story bill, you know, house that you could rent to so you could live in one, uh, have a car <laughs> than, your up, you know, than, your, than your neighbor, uh, and, and, and vacation in, in New Hampshire or in Cape Cod, if you li- you know, as I lived in New England. And, and, and took that and, and exploded that into something that became uh, a, a, a more of a global dream, an ability to, to travel over 108 countries to be able to, to, to do this, in the, you know, to work in this industry in over 65 countries, right? So, so that, for so me, you, is one of the, 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 the secrets of the Amway system. Yes. Uh, and how about, like, you know, just, meetings themselves how important are meetings themselves the meeting system in amway or any business how do you feel about you know hands-on belly-to-belly meetings versus versus doing everything over the internet or or avoiding meetings because they're inconvenient or expensive or you know work right well, obviously, uh, we are in uh, massive uh, times of uh, transition, and, I, and I'm, I'm certainly one that's a very much of a fan of the social, mobile, global, new, you economy. So I'm all for that. But, man, we did this old school. Uh, I, I tell people I went to the same Holiday Inn every Tuesday night, 8 o'clock, for 18 years. Wow. I mean, it was, it was like clockwork. You knew Tuesday night, that's where I was. And every night, I yeah, every made sure that I had somebody with me. And if I didn't have somebody with me, that was even a better reason for me to be there because I needed to be motivated a little bit. So the next next week, I had somebody with me. Uh, that form of association is is so important. We tell people that those who go grow, uh, and and there's nothing you know, nothing replaces that 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 uh, that high touch. Now, we can leverage it, and I'm a big fan of leveraging high-touch with high-tech, but at the end of the day, 
this, the, the one thing that we do as human beings that we cannot replicate through robots or computers or, you know, or, or iPads or, or iPods or whatever is that touch, is that human touch, is that, as you call it, eye-to-eye, belly-to-belly. Um, that, for me, not only is, is proof, has proved to be uh, the best way to create trust and relationship and connection, which is eventually what solidifies your organization, is that because people don't get involved in a company, they get involved with people. And eventually, you know, you know businesses rise and fall in, 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 the, in the quality of those relationships, those long, you know, uh, you know, you know those, 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 those long-term, enduring relationships that we build and people then will follow you wherever you go and, and, and that becomes part of your legacy, becomes part of your equity, is the, the quality of your connections. And those connections have to be done, you know, face-to-face, you know, eye-to-eye, belly-to-belly. And, uh, and, and I never stopped that and I never stopped teaching people to do those things. Uh, but leverage technology to get you in front of more people faster so that you can build those deep, deep-rooted relationships that endure for a lifetime. Yeah, beautiful. So tell us the story about, um, you know, I think one of the, the – where you're having the most impact on the network marketing profession is, is in Manatech. How did you find your way to Manatech? And, you know, what, what was the journey from Brent Worldwide to Manatech? Sure. Well, that's a – it's a, it's a love story, by the way, uh, uh, Richard. Uh, it, it started out basically, you know, I had gotten to a point after, you know, after being in business in 65 countries and doing everything that we had done, it, it almost started to feel like I was in a routine. And, uh, you know, I, and, I, and I love the, the soap business, but I never felt like I was making a real, uh, I was adding a lot of value to people's lives through the products that I was selling. I mean, I certainly understood the opportunity. But there was something deep inside of me that says that, you know, at the end of the day, we get paid for value. We get paid for changing people's lives through the products that we offer. Um, and uh, I met a, a young lady who's today my wife, uh, Johanna Gilbala. Uh, she was in Manatech. She had come to Manatech because of a, uh, a health situation. She, she, uh, she had an amazing wellness experience with Manatech. And uh, when I met her, she was mainly just a customer. Uh, she'd been a diamond in Amway at one time uh, uh, back in her country of Colombia. But um, she was just a customer. And, and when I met her through a good friend of mine, Luciano, who was already involved with Manatech, had been involved with me in my prior life, but, but had found Manatech through some, uh, again, through a product experience, I, got, I became very, uh, uh, I mean, uh, the, the product really um, uh, fascinated me. I mean, the, I love the science of it. I love the fact that it was doing so much for so many people. And, and slowly I got more and more familiar with the product. And eventually uh, when my uh, wife decided at that point that she wanted to try to build a business, I kind of watched it from a distance and, and saw some really quick results uh, because the product worked so well it seemed like the business took off very fast. And, and, and at the same time, I got a call from uh, Sam Castor, the, the, the founder of Manatech, who basically at that time was trying to find a way to expand Manatech in more countries and had heard that I had done that. And it was just about that time in my life when I was ready 
uh, for the second half of my life, and I wanted to be a second half with significance. I really, while I was in Amway, I always felt that I wanted to take this 35 years of experience, at that time 28 years of experience, what if you could bring that experience as, a, as, a, as an associate, as a distributor, into a company and create a culture in that company that really would match the culture of the associate? Because uh, as you know, in our industry, Richard, very few people are like you uh, or, or I who have come from the field and then gone corporate. They're very few. And, then, and unfortunately, there's too many corporate people that have never experienced the 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 trills and the <laughs> the lows and yeah. the highs of being an associate who really can sympathize with what associates, uh, uh, consultants, or, or distributors eventually go through. So for me, I always dreamt of one day being able to take all of that experience and bring it somewhere. But it had to be also a place where the product would create value in people's lives. And so I got the phone call from Sam, and within a year and a half, two years. I actually decided to cross over and came into Manatech and started there as a senior VP of sales and marketing and eventually rose through the rank. With, you know, and I, am, I feel really incredibly fortunate that when they asked me about a year ago uh, to become the CEO and president of the company, it was really the culmination of everything I had dreamed of, uh, dreamt of before coming to Manatech and being able to have an opportunity to really bring to bear all that experience that I had from the field, but make it, put it into a company that could truly serve people in a magnificent way and at the same time be able to take it to 100 countries, which is you know, my, my goal now, which is to be able to take Manatech to 100 countries or plus over the, the term of my career with them. That's beautiful. Well, look, you're so right, Al. I mean, I, I have, uh, I, the way I've shared it with people is if, if you or I were sitting in a uh, CEO roundtable, maybe at the Direct Selling Association or something, you know, 15 or 20 years ago, 90% of the people in the room would have built their companies. They would have come, they would have been a distributor or founded their company and built their company. And and today, if we sit in a CEO roundtable. 90, 95% of the people that are running companies not only have never been a distributor, they didn't build the company, they're an employee, they're an executive. And so the people of Manatech are very, very fortunate to have you with all of those experiences and all those distinctions and values and, and the vision that you bring to support them to build an extraordinary residual income. Very, very unique and very fortunate in our profession today. i got to ask you next um, two questions. I, maybe I know the answer to the first one, but maybe you'll surprise me. Um, first question is, what is in your career as a distributor or could be even as an executive, What's the biggest mistake that you've made? Maybe it was a one-time mistake. Maybe it was a bad habit. And maybe it cost you wealth, or maybe it cost you health, or relationships, or integrity, or reputation. What's the biggest mistake you've made? Well, I would start by saying that for sure, uh, I didn't dream big enough. 
Wow. You know, um, that, for me, um, again, uh, you got to understand, coming from a first-generation immigrant background, uh, you can take the immigrant out of Pawtucket, Rhode Island, but you cannot take Pawtucket, Rhode Island out of the immigrant. So sometimes <laughs> I, <laughs> I feel like, I, I, you know, I, I didn't dare to dream big enough. And, and, and so uh, if it's something, if I've learned something, if it's something I want to, pass on to as many people that I would want to pass on to my kids and to people that are probably listening here is dare to dream big enough. I mean, that is just, you, you, we, you cannot imagine how much you've missed out in life for not daring uh, to dream bigger. And I'm very fortunate. I met uh, a woman uh, in Johanna who was a big dreamer, who had come through her own life experiences, but who really was a big dreamer and really taught me how to dream bigger. She could always speak into, uh, uh, she could speak the vision of what could be in a way that sometimes I had to almost fight it, but then eventually if I accepted it, it always became a reality. You know, our bedroom is a massive dream board. I mean, we, uh, we don't dream small boards. We dream in whole walls of, of dreams. And, and that for me was a, a, a great lesson to be learned. But I would say that in my, my 28-year career, uh, that I, when I first started, uh, is I just fell so much in love with the industry, with the process, with the people, that I neglected, I neglected my, own, my own family. I neglected my own relationships, and, and that caused me to, to actually uh, have a divorce. And, and, and that kind of stuff is, you know, if I, you know, that would be something that, I would say uh, I, uh, I did not appreciate life, the moments of life when they were happening because I was on my way to something bigger and I knew that there was this, you know, I had this dream out there, I was going after it and, and, and I didn't realize that those moments was really what life was all about. It's a, you know, life is a collection of moments and we got to yeah. learn live that day we have to be present in that day we have to be present in those conversations in those relationships and and you know what i i uh, i i didn't do such a good job with that and it, it caused me a lot of pain it caused me a lot of grief but as we say from all you know you know in all adversity lies seeds of greater opportunity and, and out of that came a, a a beautiful relationship a beautiful uh, new situation for me but with the learnings of being able to take care of those relationships, you know, care for those moments, you know, savor those moments. And I'm not still 100% there. And if you talk to my wife, she'd probably say I still work too much. Uh, and I'm glad that she shares my, my passion for this industry and for the people in this industry. Um, but it's learning to slow down a bit and learning to enjoy those moments and, 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 and create a better balance, you know, I, you know. Uh, in life, which, you know, you got to choose to be out of balance for some time. It's okay. It's, it's actually healthy to be out of balance because big dreams don't get done in your comfort zone, in, in, in balance. Yeah. It's going to be always in right. chaos, uh, in out of balance. But eventually you got to get back to the balance. And that's why I appreciate you so much, Richard, because as I watch you and uh, I see you living that balance today, and, uh, and, and really I really aspire to, when I grow up, I want to be you, Richard. <laughs> well i tell you what it's, it's uh interesting also i'm 40 years full-time now and about 10 years ago i kind of looked up 
you know, kind of got my head out of the sand, and I looked around, and I said, well, I'm not nearly as successful at this as I thought I would be, and yet here I am almost 50 years old. And so I just decided, you know what, okay, obviously working hard seven days a week, 18 hours a day, that hasn't produced the vision that I had. So what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to figure out how can I be successful and at the same time I'm living like maybe it's my last year. Mm. And so I've played a lot more golf. I've recruited a lot more people on the golf course. Um, And, you know, Kimmy and I just moved to Lanai where this is our – just our dream residence. Um, we have a 200-degree ocean view every day, no one in front of us. Um, we, we just have a beautiful lifestyle. And you know what? We're meeting more people and casting the vision of opportunity and network marketing and our products from this paradise, which most people might consider retirement, but it's not. You know, We're, we're working and living the dream at the same time, and – having a lot of fun doing that. Uh, my staff doesn't particularly appreciate it because it's, it's 40 degrees and raining in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. But, so on the flip side of that, Al, what is the smartest thing that you've ever done that has led to however you want to define success? It's the, it's the flip side of the question. What's the smartest thing you've ever done in your career? Well, yeah, well, there's, yeah, I can say that there's been a few what you call forks at the, in a row that, you know, and, and you know, you, uh, Yogi Berry said, you know, I took it, but I would say uh, taking the right, you know, the right, you know, taking the right side, you know, the right road, the less travel road really meant a lot. So for me, it was, the first one was to, you know, to, to sell out to this industry. I mean, I... Yep. Um, I, I really, from the very beginning, there was no, there was no question. I mean, I was gonna do this. Uh, I mean, I've, obviously, I meandered for a while. It took me literally ten years before I could really, you know, come into my own and really experience some success in this industry. But in the meantime, the personal development was amazing, and it, it prepared me for all the things that are going on in my life. But my first thing was sell out. I sold out. I mean, I was. I knew I'd be doing this for the rest of my life, and I never looked back. And for many people, sometimes you've got to get off the fence. I mean, you, uh, you got your feet on both sides, uh, and you're trying to navigate two different, uh, two different you know, ambitions, and, and, and somehow it just doesn't work. Uh, until a man is totally committed, you know, then I think the universe does not conspire for your success. But once you, once you are totally committed, something really happens in the heavens, that you know, changes the whole game. So for me, that was the first thing. The second thing was when I decided I was going to leave my job and I was going to retire and I was going to boldly you know, move forward in my business. Uh, that was a tough decision. It came in at a time where everything was going right in my career. I mean, it was just, you know, everybody thought I was crazy, to, to, but I, I was committed, so committed to my dream and to, to the dream of this industry that I, I did it. And it, it, you know, it, it was it was kind of a tough decision. It, it was the hard for a while, but boy, it was the best decision I ever made. My third best decision in this industry was 
when I decided to join Manitech. Uh, and you know, sometimes you know your 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 purpose in life doesn't reveal itself until you make a move like that. Because frankly, yeah, you got all you got all the planets aligned. Absolutely, what you're doing there where you got you got a company that's been around for uh, I don't know. 23 years. 23 years, and you, um, you, know, you guys are already in dozens of countries and a great track record and a great product line, and now you have the opportunity to to craft the culture from the inside out. Um, so that leads me to my next question. So there's a lot going on in the network marketing profession. There's been you know, a fair amount in the United States of um, bad press. I don't know that there's any more now than there was 10 years ago or 20 years ago, but there's been a little bit uh, of late, you know, little rumblings about uh, our profession, and there's change underway in, in terms of how companies operate. What are you doing at Manitech um, to prepare for the future in the United States and how do you see the future of network marketing as a trusted, admired, and understood business model? Okay, well, that's, um, that, those are big questions, but uh, I tell you, yeah, I'll, I'll try to break them down uh, as we go. For me, uh, one of the things we're doing in Manitech is we have embraced a culture of compliance. Uh, as you know, a few years back, uh, Manitech had its own challenges uh, seven years ago, eight years ago. Just about the time I came into Manitech, uh, Manitech went through a very uh, uh, very interesting phase. I mean, we ended up being in a situation with the Attorney General of Texas over claims and other things, and it really forced us to to change how we did business in a, in a massive way, and, and, and it was painful, and, and we had to... Uh, uh, at times, people didn't think we would make it, you know, and at times we, in the inside, we didn't know if we were going to make it, to tell you the truth. But we, we, the value of our product, what the, our product does for people was so, so uh, huge. It was so established. It was so validated that uh, eventually we were able to survive through all that. And we came out of that uh, with, 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 a, with some great learnings. And one of those great learnings is, you know what? We got to do the things the right way, and 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 we got to teach people to do it the right way. The company always strives to do it the right way, but you know it's it's not just what we say; it's what we enforce; it's what we uh, we we make sure is happening. So we embrace the culture of compliance, and I have to tell you, seven eight years later, I feel like that puts us just in the right place because, as we know today, that's what you know the FTC and others are really. Uh, making sure that you know all the companies in our space that we we become more compliant and 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 you know what I think that's good I think it's good that we because we don't have to oversell it and I know I've heard you say it so much so many times it is just good as it is but I think for the brand new person sometimes because of the the lack of you know knowledge in in the product or the even the opportunity we overstate things, and we don't have to. And, and, and by embracing a culture of compliance, we finally were able to get ourselves to the place where our product claims, our income claims, and, and lifestyle claims, all those things were congruent with the opportunity. And today, it's exactly what uh, you know, the Attorney General or the FTC and others, 
That's what they want us to be able to do. And you know what? That's fine. And maybe that will clean up the space a bit because there are people who have been very egregious in the way they do business. And, yeah. and, and that's unfortunate. And then some of it has created some of the bad, bad, uh, bad reputation that we got. Some, you know, I tell people sometimes uh, we, you know, we've got what we deserve at, at times. Now, many times we didn't deserve it, and it's just a lack of information or people just not knowing how to categorize us. You know, we've always been kind of on the fringe, um, especially when, you know, the normal retail channel was so strong, where advertisement on television was so strong. Uh, we, we didn't fit into all those things. But today, in a world of social, mobile, global, we are the perfect opportunity. We were the original social selling model. But today, yep. we are leveraged by technology. We can ex- expand through technology. We can, uh, and, and, and technology today allows us to be micro-entrepreneurs. You can be a, a business of one, but you can operate like a large business because you have the tools of productivity that only belonged to big companies in the past are now in the hand of we, the people. So if this is a, a, a business of connection, we have the greatest tools of connection we've ever had in the history of humanity. And we have in our hands, like a, a smartphone is the equivalent of what we spent 20 to $40 million back in the 80s to buy the biggest IBM computer ever built that, you know, you needed a three-story building to house it. That computer could run so hot you could, you could heat up the warehouse with that computer. It cost $40 million, but I saw that computer help a company go from $1 billion to $13 billion, from 11 countries to over 65 countries. Why? Because you needed to leverage technology to do that. Today, when you hold a handphone, you have 10 to 100 times the computing power of that computer, and it's a tool of productivity like we've never had as, a, as human beings. And, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a shame that we use it to text while we drive or to take selfies when it could be a tool of productivity like we've never seen before. So if we can embrace this new you economy, micro-entrepreneur economy, and we can, we can leverage it with the social media, the mobile phone, and the global you know, ability that we have today to connect anywhere in the world, 1.7 billion people on Facebook, we can just connect with people all over the world. If we can learn to put all that together into a nice, neat package and a real good model, uh, I think we're, we're just scratching the scratch of the scratch of what this industry could do once we figure these things out. And I, you know, I don't know how you feel about that, Richard, but I feel that we're entering the greatest time of our industry. So it's the greatest of time, it's the worst of time, but I believe that depending on how people decide to become professionals in this industry, Becomes, get sold out to this industry, get a com, an inner conviction about this industry, I think we're, we're just getting started. Yeah, well, I, I totally agree with you. That's a great – that, that four minutes right there, Al, is worth uh, the call itself and, and uh, ought to be listened to millions of times. I, I, you know, you look at, you know, the size of our industry, $30 billion a year, um, in in the United States, like that something, like that means something, like it's significant. And 
you know, 10 million distributors in the United States, like that's significant. And people ask me about the future of the profession. I, I answer them by asking them questions. So, you know, the people that, that you talk to about our profession, you know, they may not resonate with your particular products um, and they may not resonate with network marketing as they know it. But, you know, interview almost everyone if there's a Manatech meeting with, you know, 10,000 people in it, and you ask those 10,000 people, you know, how many of you were looking for Manatech when you found it? How many of you were looking for network marketing when you found it? How many of you said no the first time you saw it? I mean, 95% of the people, 99% of the people say no the first time. They don't think they're looking for network marketing. But what they are looking for is health, wealth, and freedom. People Correct. are looking for that. And when they get past the stigma, and that's really all they need to do is get past the stigma. When they get past their ignorance, their story about, um, you know, I, I was never so awakened about the work we have to do with network marketing when I filmed the Super MLM Man series, when I went on the street and just asked people, what do you think about network marketing? What do you know about it? Have you ever heard of it? Have you ever done it? And 95% of the people that I talked to, they thought we were like, you know, if I said direct selling, they thought that was Starbucks. You know, they, <laughs> they had, no, I had no idea what I was talking about until I said Amway. And they said, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. So, you know, people have a stigma. But when you get past the stigma and you, and you start painting the picture for people, you know, what if for $500 you could be in what is eventually a global business? What if you could have hundreds, even thousands of people working for you and you didn't have to employ any of them? What if your what if your sales organization could grow quantumly? You know, what if what if it could double every year? And of course, you know, when you paint that picture for people, you know, you get the people to say, Well, you know, that doesn't happen for most people. Yeah, you know what? It doesn't happen for most people, but it can happen for anyone. If it, exactly. if it can happen for Al Bala and Richard Brook, it can happen for anyone. And, you know, hats off to you, Al, for 11 years part-time building that business, building your character, building your leadership, honing your faith, um, the countless setbacks, the countless people who quit, the countless people who disappointed you, um, the number of times you had to talk yourself back into the game, you know, that's your Absolutely. career right there. I mean, it, you know, it's Richard, huge. it's pretty interesting. If you watch what's going on today, you know, a million people are driving as uh, are Uber drivers today. But and I don't believe that any one of those people ever woke up one day and said, you know what, today I really want to become a taxi driver. <laughs> or... Or I want to rent out my spare bedroom to a stranger. Right. I mean, nobody ever does that. But what they wanted is they wanted to, to work on their own t terms, on their own time, to, 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 to be a, in business for themselves, and technically to, to leverage technologies that are available today. Now, of course, they're depreciating their own assets, and uh, it, it's not leverageable. You cannot leverage it. It's not global, uh, and so on, right? So you're still exchanging time for money and all that. 
and, and, and certainly, you know, uh, as, as, Uber, as Uber introduces the driverless car, there's going to be a million Uber drivers looking for something else to do, I'm sure, at some point, right? So, yep. but, but nobody wanted to be a taxi driver. They didn't go to four years of college to decide one morning, you know what, I'm just going to drive a taxi for a living. But they want the lifestyle. They want the freedom. They want the ability to control their time, control their destiny. And, and you know what? That's what we offer. But we offer it with a whole lot more than, 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 than what uh, you know, Uber could ever offer it. Now, so it's a matter of how we articulate what we have. And unfortunately, many times we get, you know, we get stuck in, in the, the, the product conversation and we forget the bigger proposition. And, 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 and that's where we got to learn to be more professional about this thing. And, and that's why we should be listening to more of your podcasts. That's why we should be reading more of your books. That's why we should be you know, doing everything that we can to become a professional, to learn the language of this industry, because our proposition is incredibly strong. You know, and, yeah. and, and, and it's just a matter of having the courage ourselves to get out there and put that message out there in front of enough people, and eventually you're going to find if you talk to enough people, you cannot say the wrong things to the right people. You cannot say the right thing to the wrong people. Just say something. Just say something consistently, and eventually, guess what? There's going to be somebody out there who's going to be listening to you, somebody who's tired of driving a taxi for a living, somebody who's tired of the, the, the rat race, somebody who's tired of the 40-year plan. They're out there. and they, you know, yeah. So that's why Uber just in few years got to a million people. There's, there was a million people who would want to drive a taxi for a living. Folks, we got an incredible future ahead of us yeah. if we understand how to speak the language you know, in, a way, in a professional way to the people that we, we, we need to get to. Well, speaking of uh, books, I saw on Facebook that you were reading uh, Kimmy's new book, The Four-Year Career for Women, last week. What did you think about that? What kind of application do you think that has for people telling the story of what we have to offer here? Well, you know, obviously, I mean, it's a, it's a great story, especially for a group of people that I believe are so well-suited for this industry. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, obviously, I saw a lot of things that I had heard before. It was nice to, to almost be reminded of the basics, you know, and, 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 and that was, for me, quite a refreshing to, to get back to the basics, the things that I've heard from you uh, for many, many years. But to come from a perspective of a woman, and, and it was great because I, I, I could share it with my wife here, who's also, uh, she builds the business. She's a, uh, she's a very high-level leader in, in our company, and, and she's excited about you know, her future as well and being an independent woman and, and having come from an abused relationship and, 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 and to be in, in to pick herself up from, from living you know, on a $30 a week budget to, uh, to being in a top one percentile of income earners in this country uh, and also being an immigrant from, from another country, it is an amazing thing. And this is just leveraging these concepts that Kimi just explains here in a such, uh, I, I said, refreshing, simple, but yet powerful way. So I recommend it. I, I, I was hoping that everybody who follows me uh, would get on a website and, and buy the book. And uh, as you know, uh, I had received it a couple of weeks before that. I was home, and I said, you know what, it, let, me, let me go back to this. And it was, it was amazing, and I, I appreciate it, and I want to give my congratulations to Kimmy 
because I think this book is going to be very helpful for thousands and hundreds of thousands of women from around the world. I hope you're going to be translating this in, in, yeah, Spanish, in Spanish as well and yeah. other languages because uh, <laughs> women. Now i gotta, I got to meet your wife. i got to interview your wife because that is her back there coaching you along, isn't it? Yes. Uh, yeah, that's what happened in my house. <laughs> I love it, Johanna. I love it. Johanna, she's participating from the kitchen. i got to interview her. She is, she is, but she she's just saying that she actually used it. I, am, I did my coaching call. With she did coaching. the coaching call today with this book, So, and I can see it because it's all full of yellow highlighters, so she is definitely using it, and that's wonderful, and uh, I would be thinking about translating it in many languages, especially Spanish, Chinese, and others, because yeah. women from around the world, really, this is a powerful industry, a powerful industry for uh, for women, especially, but for everyone, obviously, uh, but especially for women, it's a, it's a, it's a great, uh, great, great uh, um, way to leverage yourself into, into, into wealth and significance. Yeah. Thank you, Al. You're, uh, we're at the top of the hour. It's amazing how fast an hour goes by when we're hearing incredible stories. You're, you, have a, you have a book, I'm sure, if you had time to write it, Al, there's such an extraordinary book about your life and your career and your first 11 years and, and what you learned in Brit worldwide and what you're doing in Manitech. And, and I think you probably have a, a, we all have a sense in listening to you that even though it's been 30 plus, 35 years, 36 years, you're just getting started. Yeah, and, we just started. I mean, we haven't scratched the scratch on the scratch yet. Yeah, and so I'm I'm uh, looking forward to uh, locking arms with you as we go about educating and inspiring the public to better understand what we do and how we do it in an ethical way so they can learn to trust, admire, and respect us, get through their bias so they can find the gold in this business model. There's just nothing else like it on the planet. When anybody can start on a part-time basis, invest a few hundred dollars in themselves, and build a worldwide sales organization that has, you know, in terms of an asset value and residual income, it, it can be, in years' time, worth millions. And millions. Uh, Absolutely. And, and Richard, I just... You do that? I, was, I want to say also, Richard, thank you for being such a warrior for this industry and, and for doing it with such, a, in, with such integrity uh, and, and professionalism and class. I mean, you are a classy guy, and I really am I'm looking forward to locking arms with you. And, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of reason why, you know, I think there's forces, outside forces, who try to quiet us down, to, to shut us up because of the good we can do for humanity and I think it's worth the fight. And I'm, I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to continue this fight another 30 years. And, and I'm glad to have people like you in this journey together. So together we'll, we'll make this industry better. Yes, for sure. Well, thank you so much, Al. Thank you, Johanna. And all of you out there that joined us on the call, if you're looking for the four-year career, you can find it at the four-year career for women.com. I think it's just fouryearcareerforwomen.com, or you can find it at richardbrook.com, 
or you can find it on Amazon. Al, I look forward to seeing you soon at some extraordinary event down the road. And uh, thank you so much for investing uh, an hour in the Bliss Business Hero call. You bet. It was a pleasure. And uh, my hugs and kisses to Kimmy as well. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Richard Bliss Brooks Network Marketing Heroes podcast. For more invaluable training tools, such as audios, videos, and of course, his best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire, head to blissbusiness.com. For 10% off your order, use the discount code HERO at checkout. If you're serious about building your business, make sure to subscribe to Richard's blog for all the latest tools and articles.